about Mad Men, um, and I'm Nan, and uh, this is Brian. Hello, I'm Brian. And we're going to be talking about uh, Season 7.5, Episode what 8, 9, uh, anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called New Business. New Business. There was New Business, and people didn't like the New Business. People didn't <laughs> like... Uh, them starting another relationship for Don this close to the end of the series. Uh, so last week, you know, I, I had expressed, I didn't really like the waitress storyline. Um, but when I watched it the second time, I was like, okay, I can live with that. I can live with that. Like random one-off run in with this waitress and this weirdness. And then when she showed up again in this episode, I was like, He's stalking. Oh no! Oh, I think no. I think I don't think she'll be back. I hope not. Yeah, I think the way they left it, I think she's just she served her purpose and now she's gone. I think like like so many women like in so Don's many. life and in general in life, <laughs> <laughs> like once they serve their purpose, just toss them aside. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's funny because when Megan was giving her speech at the end to Dawn, um, and it was exactly sort of like what Roger had said, Jane had said to him when she was leaving him. Um, And it's funny, too, because when Roger said, oh, you know, she's going to say this and that, and and Dawn said, uh, she's not Jane. You know, they're not the same person. And then Megan gave... Not precisely the same speech, because she didn't bring up her childbearing years, but the same basic speech. Right, and and one of the things that Roger mentions is, uh, she said that I ruined her career, and then Harry basically tells Don, you ruined her career. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so... um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You were going to talk about what she said. Oh, no, but it made me think about just a general theme in the show, and in the time, and just the show illustrating um, ideas about women. And one of those ideas is that, you know, women will give up their lives for these men, you right. know, that they partner with. And um, and so you see that played out in that relationship yeah. and in Don's previous marriage. Um, so, although Betty seems to be moving on quite nicely from her previous marriage to Don because now she's going to go get her master's degree. Yeah. In psychology. People like to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just couldn't help thinking about the uh, her visits to the psych- psychiatrist in the first season. Exactly. And she was so <laughs> uncomfortable. And she like, yeah. Um, well, and then the, the really chilling episode where Don, is, Don calls the psychiatrist and they start going over her problems together. Right. It still creeps me out. <laughs> I, um, I though, like when Betty said she was going to get her degree in psychology, like, I know it's hilarious. It's Betty, like, you know, not exactly the most self-aware human on the planet. Um, and it was really funny when she said people like to tell me their problems or whatever, but I'm kind of like super jazzed and I'm sad we're going to miss that. Cause I'm like super, super Betty defender. 
Betty Draper. <laughs> Are you calling me the super Betty the yes. Defender? Yes. I just think Betty Draper getting a master's in psychology, come on. That is amazing. <laughs> that is fucking amazing. I am all here for it. Like, I hope they make a spinoff. And it's like <laughs> Betty at school. God, getting that her will never, ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing a letter to Matthew Weiner as we speak. Um, making that request. <laughs> Uh, or maybe we could make it, Brian. We just make a little web series, right? And like, <laughs> who would we get to play Betty? <laughs> would it be you in a blonde wig? Exactly. <laughs> oh, we could do soft puppets. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that that's that's amazing. Um, because I think it's amazing because Betty is so is so sort of self absorbed. And, you know, most people who go into psychology really aren't necessarily the best. Some people in psychology are amazingly gifted at picking up on other people's feelings and listening to people and doing the things that you would hope a psychologist would do. But a lot of them are just really self-absorbed people who are going there so they can learn basically how to unlock themselves, you know? And so I think... I think in that way, it's kind of an absolutely perfect place for Betty. Um, Because Betty is super self-absorbed. She never feels like anyone listens to her, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she constantly feels a little ignored um, and not heard. And so it just seems like a a perfect ending for Betty Draper, you know? Right. So. Yeah, I mean, good for her. She's I, she's just not the storyline I'm interested in anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so many women in Brian's life just tossed aside. That's right. Once she's served her purpose <laughs> and having Sally. <laughs> That's all I really needed her for. <laughs> okay, then. Um, well, and sadly, we have not seen Sally no. yet. So I, mean, I am I was kind of surprised to not keeps, see Sally. He keeps talking about how the show's all about Sally, and we haven't even seen her yet. She was slightly present in this episode just because we were in her bedroom at right. Dawn's place, and you know, but um, they had her, her little silhouette thing over her bed. Yes, but sadly, no Sally this week. No, um, just sort sort of like they're the waitresses. Uh, daughter who died. She was not pres- not present, but present. Right. Because that's um, the reason why I so think that she won't be back is because of the speech that she gave to Don at the end, where she said she doesn't. I don't want anything, and I don't want to feel anything except basically I don't want to feel anything except the pain I have fr- from losing my daughter. Yeah, yeah. It was so. I was kind of like. Even that speech, this whole storyline with the waitress just feels so, like, forced, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Like, the whole speech at the end when she's like, when I'm with you, I, like, when I was with you, I forgot. And I'm just like, I mean, you guys had sex, like, what, like, one time or something? And, like, I I don't know. It just, I don't know. It felt little. Well, they spent a day together. Yeah. But, I mean, it just felt like a little bit more than I would have expected out of that situation. But Yeah, um, but I guess, I don't know, to me that seems, still seems plausible because she doesn't want to forget even for a day. Yeah. And I think I think the contrast 
there for me is because that's pretty much Don, what Don has been doing for the whole show is trying to push down this pain and doing it in all different kinds of ways and never wanting to feel that way. And right. he's, you know, he's the king of this, this never happened, but she is the opposite of that. And she wants right. to know that it happened. Right. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I don't know. I just, I haven't really, I just haven't been able to buy into it. So. We'll watch like it three I, or four more times. <laughs> like I said last week, as long as she doesn't show up again, maybe yeah, I'll be I, happy. I think the way he left without any kind of protest or anything. Right. I think, yeah, I think she's probably gone. And I think that probably also means that Don will end up alone. Right. By the end. Yeah. Oh, I can totally see that. And I, and I, I would feel satisfied with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I don't really foresee like nice, neat little happy endings or even necessarily, it feels like there's some hints running through it too about like whether or not there's even any beginnings left, you know, mm -hmm. like Pete has that really great line in the car with Don when they're going to, go golfing and mm -hmm. he says like um uh i wrote it down hold on what if you never get past the beginning again you know right and it's so that felt like start over but what if you never get past the beginning right and that felt really meaningful um within just this episode but in general sort of like it felt like perhaps some foreshadowing or just explicitly saying you know, what's going on here. Um, yeah. And Pete really never has either been able to get past the beginning again. Right. You know, so he was sort of the perfect person to deliver that line. Um, so. Were there any other storylines that you, well, there was the Harry and Megan meeting, which classic Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized it more so the second time around Megan's career is obviously not doing well, but it must be like in the absolute, it must be basically dead for her to be calling Harry. Like it yeah. must be completely flatlined because she hates him. She's never taken him seriously. In most scenes when she was working at, um, SCDP, if he walked in the room, he, you know, she'd be like, whatever, Harry, roll her eyes and leave. Like right. she just wouldn't even want to be in the same space as him. So for her to go and have lunch and be kind of, you know, like flirting, not like she wanted something to happen, but just, you know, right, being kind of flirty. Certainly and, relishing the compliments. and Yeah, laying things. it on, you know, for him. Um, she must be in a really bad situation. Yeah. Well, like Carrie said, she, she quit her soap and moved away from New York. Right. Was, and the was really dumb. The look on Don's face when he said that, like it just sort of, it was like, oh my God, I really have ruined this woman's life. Yeah. And that's another thing that kind of runs through this episode is like Don and his belief in his power in other people's lives, especially women's lives. Because mm -hmm. um, there's that, right? He's like, oh my gosh, I really have ruined this woman's life. And then he proceeds to give her a million dollars. Right. right? You know, you know, Megan says something in the hotel that I was kind of thinking about. And I haven't, I, I just thought of it when, when I was rewatching it. Um, she says that it's a sin to be a ghoul feeding off of other people's pain. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how much of that is Dawn 
that he feeds off of people's pain. Because he certainly is attracted to these sort of tragic women. And he either causes their pain or he finds them already in pain. Um, so I wonder if he has that sort of ghoulish um, thing about him. I can see that for sure. I mean, Don definitely is attracted to the power that he might have. Like, I think, I think one central theme of the show or one central thing that is always happening is that Don feels like he will be redeemed through a relationship with a woman right? who he has the power to save, but he always fucks it up. Right? right. So he always ends up at the end of the relationship has basically like ruined this woman's life. You know, at the end of his relationship with Betty, like, you know, her life was just in a complete shambles. She's moved on mm-hmm. and something better's come out of it. Um, and, you know, it was interesting to me because when Betty and um, Henry come home in that beginning, you know, in that beginning scene, when Henry walks in, Don can't get out of there fast enough. Right. And I think that that's like, I kind of had this moment where I was like, that's so weird because Henry used to hate Don, but he seems to be pretty over Don, right? He's yeah, like, he, we didn't care that he was there. Yeah, he's like, stay, have your milkshake. And yeah. Don was like, nope, gotta go. Peace out. Like, <laughs> then could he, not leave. And then he enough. pauses at the end to see basically everything that he gave up. Right. And Henry has basically accomplished what Don never could, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that might be some of that tension because he doesn't seem tense with Betty, you know, he seems tense with Henry specifically. Yeah. So there's sort of that male competition and Henry can represent the things that Don wanted for himself and was unable to achieve and has now been unable to achieve with a second person. Right. And then when he's talking to the waitress, um, in the, in her room at the end and he's like, I know what's going on here. You know, mm-hmm. you're worried that I'm not over my ex-wife or you're worried that I'm not ready to move on. Basically like <laughs> he, he thinks that everything that's upsetting her is him related, right. you know, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Right. And he's completely misread the situation. So again, he's inserted himself in this very like egomaniacal way where he thinks that he has the power to make or break this woman. Right. And he knows that she, her daughter died he already knows that and he still thinks it's about him yeah he's completely delusional right (laughs) she runs away to new york leaves her living daughter and her dead daughter and her husband behind to live in solitude (laughs) but it's all about don (laughs) (laughs) so this is the thing like and matthew weiner doesn't drink but i've never been able to find anything that explicitly says he's an alcoholic but someone Mm. in that writer's room is a fucking drunk because Don is like one of the most perfectly written alcoholics yeah. ever, you know, um, as an alcoholic, as somebody who hangs out in Alcoholics Anonymous, like Don is, that's it. Yeah. You know, he's got all the things. He's an egomaniacal person, super self-centered. Um, uh, and at the same time, sort of like constantly beating himself up for his, you know, failures, but also running away from all his feelings and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like he just, he, it's so perfectly illustrated in the character of Don Draper yeah. um, that it just kind of continuously blows my mind. Um, but yeah, so he, again, is just, he's not able to redeem himself through this relationship with this woman yet again. You know. Right. Um, 
Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know where his uh, redemption is going to come from. Oh, and at some point really early in the episode, I noticed that Lane's pennant, his Mets pennant, is hanging it's on the hanging, wall yeah, in, his, in Don's too. office. Yeah. Um, and I was like... Well, I think that might be Lane's office. Well, it's Lane's old... Well, I don't know, because Don, I think, moved into what was Lou's office. Don was in Lane's old office last at the beginning of the season when Lou was still there. Okay. But he's moved back down to his... But he kept the pennant. Yeah, he kept the pennant. Um, so the specter of Lane is sort of like now attached itself to Dawn. Um, More foreshadowing of Dawn's death. Oh my death. gosh! Is he gonna die? <laughs> I mean, eventually, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so what about uh, Pima? What old Pima? Um, the photographer lady. Who, yeah. Who had sex with Stan and made a pass at Peggy. It's always interesting to me. I was thinking about this whenever Peggy and Pima were looking at the pictures um, and discussing which ones they liked. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting to watch Peggy interact with, like, other powerful women. Right. Um, And earlier in the episode, when Pima, when they're on the shoot and, you know, Stan is kind of shitty to Pima or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then he walks off, and so Peggy and Pima are talking about it, Pima... Which I guess he, he said something about you're not used to meeting people with teeth, which I'm guessing is like a, like a is it Diane Arbus who p- photographed the poor people and during the Depression? Yeah, and also I thought like that, that she was known for maybe. Yeah, I figured that it was probably something like that or possibly like um, photographing people in less developed parts of the world. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but she kind of, she basically compliments Peggy, you know, like, don't let him bother you. You're doing so much here. Like you're basically running this show, you know? Right. And then as she walks off, there's just that shot of Peggy standing there looking so self-satisfied and kind of like she has a little crush now on Pima because Pima said something nice about her. Um, so I feel like. I don't know. I don't know what the Pima character was supposed to accomplish other than to, I mean, part of it just kind of drives forward that whole tension between Stan and Peggy, right? Right. And uh, Stan makes a reference to it's hard to, you know, keep my balls in this job or whatever. (laughs) It's constantly emasculated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, but you you were talking about Peggy dealing with other powerful women, and she really does play um, play that up when she she wants them to know that she's if she has the upper hand, she doesn't let them forget that. Yes, exactly. Like when Pima comes into her office and Peggy tells her to shut the door, and Pima's like, "Huh?" And then Peggy's like, "Well, it's and you know they're talking about Stan's opinion, and Peggy's like, "Well, it's my opinion that matters. It's my account." Yeah. And I mean, I always kind of just like cringe a little because I totally get that feeling. Like I constantly feel like, you know, people may be forgetting my accomplishments in a certain situation. And I kind of want to be right out there with it and be like, well, I did this and I did, you know, and then, but it kind of makes you cringe because it's a little bit like embarrassing to be mm-hmm. so forward. And I don't mean like it, it doesn't strike me as, 
uncomfortable because she's a woman necessarily. It's just in general, you know, right. when you, when you've been driven to that point where you feel like you need to constantly be right out there saying, I did this and I did that and I'm in charge of this and I'm the boss here. And you know, that's kind of, Pima says little, three. So I say four. Right. Exactly. It's a little cringe inducing, yeah. you know, but Pima was, <laughs> she really brought it <laughs> back uh, around to who really had the power because she left, Peggy trembling, <laughs> which I thought like, <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen did really, really well. She played that really, really well because she was clearly flummoxed <laughs> by the uh, pass. Maybe so, Peggy. Maybe Peggy's a lesbian. I re- I didn't know. Why I don't think that, but I really thought that they were gonna make out. Yeah, I did too. Um, and then at the end, we kind of see why not. Like you know. It, it definitely serves the story to have Peggy, because for a second, Peggy was taken in by it, right? She right. was like, ooh, this, you know, Pima likes me, she's attracted to me, she wants to do me, whatever. And then mm-hmm. she finds out that she did stand. Right, and she's and like, because well, so, she's, again, she's out there with, oh, well, I don't think she likes guys. <laughs> <laughs> and Stan's like, well, I'm pretty sure she does. <laughs> And so I think, you know, at the end, Peggy was probably pretty satisfied um, that nothing happened because it would have felt probably really bad for her yeah. to find out that Stan and Pina had, you know, messed around and that she had also messed around. With yeah, that she had been manipulated to that point, to that extent. So again, it sort of reinforces for Peggy that this self-control is working for her, right? Like it reinforces to Peggy the idea that like, don't let yourself lose, you know, don't Mm. follow your feelings, stay really self-controlled, really self-contained. You don't need anybody else. You know, don't, don't go to Paris. (laughs) Don't go to Paris. Don't have sex with Pima because you're just going to end up getting screwed in the end, you know, Yeah. and feeling bad. And so... Um, I don't really have a lot of hope for Peggy to break out of that, um, out of that trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, don't, well, I, you know, she, I have a little hope, a little more hope for her than I do for Don, um, having, you know, somewhat of a positive, or at least an ending that's on the upswing, whereas I think Don's is probably going to be about flat. Uh, when it gets to the end. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you consider the upswing, though. Like, I have this feeling that when we get to the end, Peggy maybe like, go on the way up still with her career, because she's always just had that trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, was it the first half? Of, was it, like, the last... We're just going to call it last season. Was it last season uh, when she got home, and she closed the door, and she hit her knees, and she was crying, and we see sort of like all of a sudden we're confronted with Peggy's secret pain that we really never see. Right. Um, which is like a, her insecurity. Cause I think that day Lou had kind of not given her the praise that she wanted, you know? Yeah. And so when she wasn't getting, when she was suddenly not getting her, her yayas through work, she had nothing else. And she right. came home and was alone. And like, it was just, <clears throat> and that's when we suddenly see, Peggy's miserable too. Like everybody in this show has their their pain. Yeah. And well, and I, I think that that will still be true. But I, I guess I'm thinking like 
if they leave her with a budding new relationship that hasn't, you know, hit the skids yet, she hasn't stabbed him yet or anything like that, um, that, that to me that's that's a, a hopeful trajectory, whether, I mean, it's it's an illusion, it's just wherever you stop telling the story, but right. but at least it leaves you with a more positive outlook. I can see that. I'm going to bet, if I were betting lady, I'm going to bet that that doesn't happen. I, so we'll, we shall okay. see. I, I, I'm pretty sure Brian Krakow will be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she can dump that loser. <laughs> loser, what? He's nice. <laughs> Um, Maybe she'll get a Sosha Mamet. Maybe she'll enter back into the picture. Ooh, and then they'll have a threesome with Pima. (laughs) What? (laughs) That would be amazing. Final scene, right there. (laughs) And then you just see Dawn fall past the window as the three ladies are making (laughs) Um, (laughs) out. And I... Oh yeah, so um, so at the end when Megan gets Dawn's million dollars, it's so interesting because like when the scene very first, the very first thing that happens is Dawn offers her a cigarette and she says, "I don't want anything of yours <laughs> unless with it's a million, a, it's a million dollars." <laughs> um, yeah, she had a price. Yeah, I guess so. Um, And I was really thinking about, like, you know, because the whole time, like, this whole time, Megan has been at least pretending like it's not about the money, right? Right. And maybe not even pretending. I mean, maybe at times being real that it wasn't about the money for her. It's always easy to say it's not about the money, though, when you have the money. Right. You know? Because Um, at the beginning of the episode, she's like, uh, it's the 24th. Right. (laughs) Where's my money? Exactly. Uh, even um, though uh, last season, fake last season, um, she was like, he's when he tells her he'll take he'll always take care of her. She's like, I I don't need you to take care of me. Right. Um, but I was really thinking about how much of this show is about exchanges of love and money, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, and you pretty much it seems like, you know, so at some point she basically gave up on her love for Don, if that was ever a thing. And mm-hmm. it's just said, well, fine, fuck it. If I, you know, since you never probably really loved me and I probably never really loved you, then I'll take your fucking money. I deserve right. it, you know, for giving you so much of my love, um, whether real or, you know, fake. Um, on the surface, at least, it tried to be love. And so since that didn't work, now I'm going to give that back and I'm going to take this money. And so, and just like with the waitress, you know, at the last episode where there's this big tip is laid down and then he comes in and he's looking for something and she gives him sex, which can be a stand-in for love. Right. um, Symbolically. So, so much of it is about like this, people going into these situations looking for human contact and walking away with cash, you know, instead. It's like a replacement because they can't, seem to ever get the human contact. You know, Peggy yeah. can't get human contact, so she takes work, which is money. And uh, Don keeps giving people money, hoping for human contact, but all he ends up being in the end is like a human ATM machine. Right. Um, ATM. 
or AT machine, excuse me. <laughs> um, so, you know, that theme just continues right up until this moment with Don and Peggy. I mean, I, I love the, um, the line when uh, Megan is pulling out the $200 to give her sister so that she could pay the movers. And her mom says, I can't believe you're spending your own money on him. On that man, and she says, "Well, he wrote me a check for five hundred dollars, like a whore." <laughs> I know. I was like, "Yeah, that's like typical mother-daughter shit. Like, you cannot make your mother happy if you are a daughter. If you are a son, you can sit on your ass and watch TV all day, and your mother will just beam while she does your laundry. But if you're a daughter, you cannot make your mother happy. And so again, we see like this sort of. I mean, to me, that was a great illustration of a lot of uh, relationships that women." will identify with mm-hmm. um but yeah and her sister too they both are sort of like trying to make her feel terrible even though her sister pretends to be you know she says like mother we don't need to be making megan feel bad about this failure you know <laughs> right. yeah um i think at the beginning she was uh on megan's side and then when megan was basically asking her to stay and pay the movers while she went off to lunch i think she that's when she turned on her um, but I, I lo- and I loved the last scene between the two of them, the Megan and her sister, mm-hmm. uh, when Megan's just received the million dollars and she just could not be, could not give any fucks about anything. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm a millionaire. Yeah. Um, yeah. And her sister sort of represents, I mean, I think in that moment too, Megan is feeling, is probably feeling some relief because it's finally really over. Right, it's on, but like she had been up until that moment clearly feeling some level of failure or strife or tension or anguish over the failure of her marriage, but she realizes like her and her sister could not be in different, more different places. Right. Because her sister is clearly in this unhappy marriage. She's got this real conservative Catholic look going on with the cross necklace and the dress button all the way up to her neck, and Mm -hmm. you know, clearly, um, sort of wants everybody else to be as miserable as she is. She's sort of, she reminded me a little bit of Pete's Mm -hmm. sister-in-law, his brother's wife, who was very, you know, just very tightly wound and, you know, wants things to be a certain way and they're not that way and she just is miserable about them. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's a really common thing, especially for women, because women are socialized so much that there's a very specific mold for how you should be in the world Mm -hmm. and you must fit into it and you if you and some people buy in and some people don't and the people who buy in at some point I think generally come to a realization that it's an illusion and that doesn't hold any happiness Mm -hmm. but now they've they've you know cast their lot they've made their choice and now they're pissed that other people aren't necessarily in the same boat because they made this choice because they felt it was the only one available to them, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely got the sense that her sister was, you know, occupying that space of this person who felt like, like I did what I was to, supposed to do. Yeah. And <laughs> where, where has that gotten me? Yeah. And meanwhile, Megan's doing everything you're not supposed to do, you know, mm-hmm. getting divorced and, dressing like a hoochie and like whatever. Um, and she seems at the end pretty satisfied with her choices. You yeah. know, at the very, at the very least, she's very satisfied to have something in dollars from time. Yeah. So. 
Um, well, was there anything else? I think that's everything. We didn't talk about Roger and Megan's mom. But oh, there wasn't yeah. a whole lot to that. It was more just first the comic relief with Roger and then the mother-daughter, more mother-daughter strife. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I really loved when Megan walks in and sees the two of them and they have that whole fight. <laughs> and her mom fights back, right? She's like, you do not get to stand in judgment of me. You know, it was very... And then when Megan walks out, her mom's like, kind of has this reaction like, why did I do that? You know, like, yeah. I'm not trying to fight with my daughter. And I think that makes it so... It's such a cool thing to see because I think that's how most fights probably feel for people. I, I don't know that... I mean, maybe most people feel really justified in their position in a fight, but I tend to feel a little bit, even if I'm like... If I'm being extremely ragey, I'm reacting in the moment to something that has triggered me, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take me very long to realize... That, you know, I wasn't really trying, I didn't want to necessarily go for the jugular in that moment. It was just a reaction. And now I've put more space between me and this person that I love, and I've got to try to fix it, and that sucks, you know? Right. Um, And it just felt like a really nice thing to see played out um, in that scene. Well, I I also (laughs) love when Megan walks in, and she sees Roger... And she's like, what are you doing here? And then she's like, where the fuck is everything? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this episode was really funny. Like, a lot of jokes. Um, So, yeah, it was really, that was pretty hilarious. Um, Oh, there was something else I was thinking about, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, well, it's gone. Oh, well, it's gone. Maybe it'll come oh, to you. Well. Um, well, I guess that's it then. Yeah. I mean, this episode was pretty straightforward. It didn't feel like when I watched it the second time, I didn't have all these like little epiphanies along the way. It, I yeah. just, and I, I was, after I watched it the first time, I was a little bit like, I'm like, ah, oh, and then I was like, oh my gosh. Maybe Matthew Weiner is trying to make it suck just enough that I'm happy to see it end. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. And there you go. That's that alcoholic thinking that says, I'm the center of the universe and everybody's thinking about what I think all the time. I did notice this week, um, after we had you know talked about last week's episode, how much the waitress looked like Midge. Oh, yeah. She looks a lot like her. And I mean, I think that's her hair, but it looks like a bad wig. Yeah. It looks, yeah, it looks not, I'm not, it's not, yeah. Um, oh, and Sylvia shows up again. Right. For like a moment in this episode. Sylvia and her husband, who's drunk <laughs> and calling Don out about the waitress. And... Yeah. Um, so that was... Something. It's funny because I watched the episodes at the Angelica Theater, so we're in this big theater with a bunch of people, and it's kind of fun to watch that way, because you're hearing the entire theater react to everything. So, yeah. like, Sylvia gets on the elevator, and everybody's like, <gasps> yeah. you know, you just hear this theater full of people. It's really fun. Yeah, because when her, her husband came in, and I didn't even think about that she was going to be with him. Right. And they kind of, put, it was probably 10 seconds before she finally got on the elevator. 
Or at least it seemed that way. Yeah, definitely. Oh, they definitely built in a little pause there. And then, okay. yeah, she gets on that elevator and it's like, oh my gosh. Did they play the uh, the next week on Mad Men thing at the Angelica? They do. Do they? But, um, so I, I, I miss all those because I just watch it on iTunes. Yeah, I mean, I don't. They're kind of fun to watch because they cut them and make them so hilarious. <laughs> but they so, don't yeah. tell you anything. Right. I mean, um, except sometimes they will let you know that, like, like last week, I knew Megan was going to be in this episode, and she wasn't in last week's episode at all. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. It's weird. This season feels weird so far. Like I was thinking about it. There's all there's like these new characters coming in, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's it feels like we're kind of in a holding pattern with these people. Yeah. Um, in a way. And I guess I was just expecting it to feel a little bit more like it was ramping up to something and then be nothing. Like, I still expect it to be nothing at the end, right? Yeah. But um, I thought it might feel a little bit more like a ramp up, and now it just feels like we're going to watch them all just sort of, like, run around in circles. See, I don't... Just following the pattern of the other seasons, it doesn't surprise me that it's... that he's doing it this way. But also, like... Usually the last three episodes, sometimes four episodes, they do start building towards something. And there's usually a good payoff at the end. And I just can't imagine that he's going to end the, the whole series without some sort of payoff. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess when I say nothing, I just mean like there's not going to be any major, you know, like typical story arcs of... of the hero narrative or whatever. Like, you know, you work up to this climax and then some someone has changed. Someone is, you know, redeemed or something like that. And well, then, who would be the hero, though? Um, I mean, I don't know. It could be Peggy. It, you know, yeah. could be Dawn. It could I mean, the show... Dying. Did we talk about this last... I don't I can't remember if I was talking to you or someone else about... The show started with Peggy's first day at Sterling right. Cooper. So it really... That's where they, they chose to enter the story, so it does make it kind of about her in a lot of ways. Well, and Peggy does seem to be the everyman character of the show, right? Because she's yeah. the one that everyone seems to relate to the most um, across the board. Yeah. Uh, sort of like when I was talking last week about how I don't understand why people always bag on Joan and say she's an asshole, but they give Peggy a pass. And I think it's because people think of Peggy as themselves. Like, yeah. Peggy is the one you're rooting for because she was kind of the underdog. And she's, you know, worked her way up um, through her own uh, hard work and, and all that, you know, great American story kind of stuff. Right. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that Peggy is definitely the every man of the story. She's definitely the one that people relate to. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I it took me seasons to like Peggy. I mean, seasons. Really? Even, relate to her on any level. And I still kind of don't really feel that personally, but I see it as sort of like being a very common. So basket of kisses didn't do anything for you. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I guess I'm too much of a Don man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an asshole. What can I say? Um, so, but yeah. Well, I don't know, but we'll see. We'll find out next week. 
I mean, I see that being true about past seasons, but I guess the difference here is that that's like past seasons have 13 episodes. This is like episodes one and two of seven. Right. right, so there's a little bit, there's a much shorter trajectory. Right, yeah, they, they're going to have to start, they're going to have to get moving soon. But Yeah. But you also have to remember, this is just the second half of a season, it's not a whole season. Right. So, right. it's not like they're trying to squeeze a season's worth in, you've already seen, you know, over half the season. Right. So, if you put it in what? that context, then right. maybe it's not as confusing. Well, we shall see. My money's on threesome and Don falling out the window. All right. Just kidding. Got you. Got you down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been secretly timid talking about Mad Men. Um, uh, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and we'll see you guys on Sunday for uh, regular secretly timid at two p.m. Central Time. That's right. Um, on Pride48.com. Bye. Bye.